This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. What's up, everybody? This is Mike Davis, co-host of the Dale Jr. Download. So, full disclosure, the episode you're about to hear, we pre-recorded it last Monday because we had a hunch that a pandemic was going to sweep across the country and just shut everything down. (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. Really, this was supposed to be a super busy week. Dale Jr. was supposed to be racing in the Xfinity Series race at Homestead, Miami. Uh, So it just seemed like a good idea to get an episode in the can. But obviously, as you guys know, that Homestead race has been postponed. A lot of other significant things have happened since we recorded this episode, so much so that if you didn't know any better, you'd think it's weird that we're not even acknowledging it. Well, now you know why we pre-recorded this. So on behalf of everyone here at Dirty Mo Media, just stay safe, be smart, and listen, if you've got a little extra time on your hands that you didn't otherwise have, take advantage of it. You can read a book. You can, uh, you know, reintroduce yourself to your spouse, hang out with the kids, or you can listen to the Dale Jr. Download, which, by the way, I have always said when it comes to pandemics, colds, flus, illnesses, bee stings, ant bites, Schultz, any of those things that you typically have, whatever is troubling you, there's no better cure than a healthy dose of Kyle Petty. He is life's elixir, and he's coming at you right now. Enjoy the download. It's time. It's time. The Dale Jr. Download. It's time. It's time for the Dale Jr. Download. It's time. All right, everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. Got Mike Davis here. Hello. All right. Back from being sick as hell. Who? Who was sick? You, Me. Leah. Well, yeah, both of y'all. Yeah. Uh-uh, I didn't have nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. What'd you have? That virus? Mm. No, I had something. Worse actually, it was like that. two weeks ago. Now. Wait, you had something worse than the coronavirus? Yeah. What? Did. Uh, e. coli. Oh my God, you did have that. I lost eight oh. pounds. Oh, well, good. we're glad you were feeling well. So, yeah, much better. I was shocked that you were even here that day. Well, I was too. Probably shouldn't have been. Birmingham's finest. You've already done the intro. I know. Well, no, I'm not done. Birmingham's finest is here. Mike Davis. <laughs> Birmingham's finest. Nobody's ever said that. They, they, Birmingham has way finer. And, and you know, <laughs> he ain't Birmingham's finest, but he's back from a lost speedway. Matthew Dillner. <laughs> Whoa. Lost Speedways. We're filming a show, a TV show called Lost Speedways. Me and Matthew and a whole bunch of other great people are putting together something for you guys to see on Peacock TV later this year. Can't wait to show it to you. We got a great odd history. Oh, really? I am bringing the odd history to the table today. Usually we use NASCAR man, great guy to follow on social media, Twitter. Um, But I found odd history in a book uh, written by Jim Hunter, and um, it is uh, pretty awesome. I can't wait to read it. But before that, we got to get to our interview with Kyle Petty. We got a lot to ask him. He's coming out here. Um, Let's go ahead and roll into the show. Open segment. Open segment. I hate it when you say open segment. Open segment. I swear if I wrote I swear, like, if so, I, I swear so if like, I wrote on this sheet, all right. open segment, uh, all right, all right, all right, all right. popsicle stick, well, he, he right. would read it. Hey, to our listeners, to our listeners, this is our open segment, all right, but we want to call it something else. Mike Davis di- oh, yeah. is, dearly wants to name it something else, so help us figure out what to call this. We have, obviously, we, show, we start the show with the kickstart, then we have open segment, and then we have our guest. So what should we call it? Let us know. Mike, they're going to help you out. Ugh. You don't like that either. Let's just start the show. Come on, man. This is the open segment. It is open. We're talking about the open segment. <laughs> oh, we're on the open segment. Yes, this is the open segment. 
You want to talk about packages? Look at Mike. I love it. Let's talk about packages. Let's talk about packages in an open segment. Uh, I knew when Michael tweeted like, that that you would definitely see that. Fingernails down a chalkboard is all I hear through my earphones right now. Right. <laughs> well, so this words, is go go go. This is Mike. This is open segment. This is very open. All right, and it's part of a segment, and it's the end of it. Talk to you later. <laughs> Close segment. <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Before we open the next segment with Kyle Petty, because this one's going to go a little while, let's take care of some business. What do y'all say? Yeah. Hey, Download Listeners, Supervising Producer Andrew Curlin here. Are supply chain issues still disrupting operations? Well, let me tell you, Graybar has you covered. They are the leader in distribution of electrical, communications, data networking, and industrial products. Professionals across the country rely on Graybar's nationwide logistics network to get them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. That's right, and they're operating with one clear mission, to serve as the vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. Let me tell you, here's what makes them different, is you know being able to effectively navigate supply chains to get products on site and on time is so crucial these days, and Graybar's nationwide logistics network is a game changer in keeping projects on task. So when you need a hand powering, connecting, or maintaining your operations, join thousands of professionals who rely on Graybar to help keep them up and running. Check out Graybar. Visit graybar.com to start an order today. There he is. Got your book bag. Here he comes. <gasps> What the heck? Did you just go on a hike? No, man. He's come from the. He's, he's taking a couple yeah. classes over at the NASCAR Tech Institute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, hold on, hold on. Before you do that, put on a mic and a headset, Kyle. And we're gonna. Uh, no, we like some. We like gifts. We like gifts, but we, like we want to hear you too. Gifts are good. All right. How's that? What is this? I come bearing gifts, man. So uh, you've, you've been to the King's Museum? I haven't. Oh, you have not? No. What the crap? We've been waiting on an invite. It's an open invitation. You kidding me, man? <laughs> Always. So. I'm I'm up there the other day, and we get all, I mean, Petty fans are like Earnhardt fans. Yep. They're everywhere. And anything that has Petty on it, they have bought at some point in time. Okay. And so we we get people that, in their will, they leave their collection to the museum. Oh, wow, yeah. So we get all kinds of really cool stuff. So It is interesting. I got this thing the other day. My, My sister's there. Somebody sent a bunch of stuff, and they sent a box of every car that was made like this. So there's, <laughs> and here's the yeah. dreaded number three, AC Woo! Delco. Look at that. Get her done. What are you smelling it for? If it was in a cigarette house. Yeah, that's, that's oh. it. You, got, you have to. You yeah. have to, because some, stu- some stuff we have to put I in wanted, the warehouse out back and just let it air me, out. Yeah, he sent Remember me, I sent you a picture of He sent me a picture of this, and I've been wanting to give it to Isla. Yeah. Oh, but you, so that's why you're smelling the, the murder. <laughs> Smells good. It just, it just seemed like yeah. an odd first thing to do. When you <laughs> that across, like, All right. But I was that's, like, the, that's that's an experienced eBayer. Yes. Oh, right okay. There. Is that what one that is? Gonna get, once you okay. receive a product. Got it. Look at this. Got it. How do you like those? It's awesome. They're going to stay on the table. Yeah, I'm telling well, you, man, they're like, that's like classic. That's just classic stuff. Putting? I don't know. Well, that we'll, one's going home. We'll put them right there for yeah, the show. For, oh, these it. are for Isla, really. You okay. just came bearing gifts for yeah, Isla. I did. He did. I, did. I guess Good. that's how hey, listen. Good. I guess that's the kids. Him. Welcome, Kyle. Oh, my gosh. Kyle Petty's I'm here. sitting at the table. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> is, is he, is I hadn't slept all weekend. I've been a nervous wreck. You're crazy. I can't. I don't know if it's going to be intense or not. It's going to be intense. I think he's messing with us. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I said when you when you sent the invitation, when you asked me, I said 
I'm excited. Why? What I say? Yes. Yeah. But why? why because what? I because I watch this and I listen to it and there's really good stuff. So you, the standard is has, up there. It, yeah. Oh, it's way up there, yeah. dude. I mean, I may have to pull out some magic stuff, but I, I don't have any. I don't have any magic stuff. You got left. magic I talk all the time. I, I, I hang out with you all, all the time. And you're all the time telling these funny uh, stories. Oh, so no, I know no. you got some magic in yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah, okay. I so, thought that's what's in the bag. The magic. This is stuff. the type no. of show no. where ha- half of those stories can be told. Half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the problem is, ninety percent of mine can't be told uh, on shows like that. That's that, not true. That's my problem. Good. Welcome. I want to ask you. I want to ask this question. You don't have to answer it right now, but I want to put it in your head so you can think about it. So if something pops up, what? And we like to ask this of all the guys that have a lot of history, a lot of a lot of years of racing. Think about what is the most creative thing you ever did to a race car, even outside the rules. Oh, um, yeah. So you may that might pop into your brain oh. over the next hour. I'm sure. I already know. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, then let's hear it. I already know. Most creative thing. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what would be the most creative. So, a guy named um, John Talley and I built a car when I was driving for Felix. And we built it in, the, in my barn, in, in the barn at my house. And what kind of car? Like a cup car? Cup car. Cup oh. car. Now, listen. Whoa, whoa. Uh, you are, <laughs> this is out, you're I'm, I'm outside, driving for Felix. I'm driving, outside the company. I'm driving for Felix. I'll build my own car. And, and John and I had this idea. And it's like, wonder if it'll work. So we talked, uh, I think Robin was there then. We talked to Robin and the Felix and Everything. them, and they said, no, not going to happen. So we said, can we have a car? You know what I mean? So they gave us an old car, and we took it to my barn. Went to Roush and picked up a surface plate, okay? Moved this surface plate into my barn. And John and I would work there. And our theory— Who is John? John, John worked at—John Talley worked at— um, Roush forever. I don't know where he's at right now. Yeah. But he worked he down at Roush when Roush was in Liberty. General mechanic? Yeah. Uh, fabricator, fabricator. Mm-hmm. fabricator. So we built this car. Not didn't have a dash in it. We didn't, you know, we just put the gauges. We just mounted a couple of gauges on it. Got a, got an engine, um, and they wouldn't give us a, wouldn't give us the, at the time the Pi systems that you <laughs> that you had, you know. But the cheaper version of that at the time, and now it's a really good system, was the Motec system. So we put a Motec mm-hmm. system in it, and our theory was that we had come up with was if you get the back of the car down. It'll run a lot faster. At what, everywhere? Yeah. No, Daytona. Okay. We're talking Daytona. Yep. Now, this would have been 92, 91, yeah. 92, before, 93. Before everybody figured to get the Before anybody thing. else. Yeah. So we got a company to make us some springs that were about this tall. I mean, they, they, were, they were 24. Two, two foot tall. At least. Yeah. Maybe taller than that. But the problem was when you put them in... They would pinch and shoot out. You know what I mean? I mean, they, like you the, couldn't you like couldn't that get spring them. Spring in an ink pen. Yeah, like a spring in them. Exactly. Yeah. That's the perfect example. The spring <laughs> yeah. in the ink pen. That's right. When you hold it between your fingers. Every kid's taking apart the ink pen at school, so and the Dale and always springs yes. shot so, across the room. So what we had to do, we had to figure that out. So we finally got the right angle that we felt like was the right angle, and we would jack this thing up. So we loaded this thing in an enclosed motorcycle trailer and hauled it to Daytona, and we parked. Got the big truck, you know, you got the big cup trucks and all that stuff, you know, and all this engineers and all their junk. So John and I parked right across from them so I could go drive their car. So I'd say, let me, I need to go run this car. No, I can't run that car. You know, you need to be over here riding, driving Robin's car and doing this. So finally, we, we went out and made a lap or two. And we run, with, with, with our regular stuff, we run, I mean, at the end of the backstretch, you'd be running about a hundred and... 
86, 85, 86, something at the time. You know what I mean? With, with our regular stuff. That car. And, that, and, and John and I's car. John and mine's car. So anyhow, so then we got it all, all laid out. So we're, we're no idea what this thing's going to do. No flipping idea. So go out, and I run down the front stretch and get up to speed. Or I run down the front stretch re- real easy. You know, that's when you had to go out and warm things up. So I get on it in three, or coming out of four, down the front stretch. When I get to turn three, I'm running 194 miles an hour <laughs> in this thing. And it threw both rear springs out of, <laughs> of it. Of course. Going into the corner. Oh, my gosh. Both rear springs, one ended up outside the racetrack, and the other one we picked up off the apron. We had to go out and find it, and it was on the apron. We found one on the service road outside turn three, and one. But what it did, it was already so low. And since it was an old-style car, when it set down, the tires just set up in the wheel tub. You know what I mean? So it just set down on the fuel cell and just squatted. Drove that baby right back in the garage area. <laughs> and they would not let us go out again. But it was ungodly fast. I mean, it was from, from just that car, it had picked up almost six and a half, seven miles an yeah. hour, just in a straight line, only running, not running a full lap wide open yet. You know yeah. what I mean? Just running one and two and down the back stretch wide open. What's some of the things that, that you might have seen happen in the shop in the 70s like with the charger or what are some of the crea- so because being creative is yeah is harder right because i mean they've sealed off pretty much every harder av- now. yeah yeah they sealed off every avenue yeah. right but back then people were coming up with things all the time harry hyde and all kinds of guys everybody were doing crazy stuff yeah they did a, a lot of stuff you know what i mean I, and and what i what i mean by that it wasn't dale and those guys dale and my dad and and Wade and and Richie and all those guys, they were, they won a lot of races. And and I, I I will say, and this is where people, this is where it's a little bit different, especially when you go to the '60s and '70s. They run a, won a lot of races just by outlasting people. It was don't beat yourself. Yeah. Don't don't let your wheel bearings come out. You know, don't tear gear out. Don't yeah. don't do this stuff because. That was the whole deal. You know, they, we go to Martinsville. Even when I started racing at Martinsville, when your dad started racing at Martinsville in the 70s, the trick was to get to 75 laps to go. Yeah, I mean, it was a miracle to get to 75 laps to go. And then when you get to 75 laps to go, have something left that you could run 80% for the next 40 or 50 laps and then go 100% for about 10 or 15 laps. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? I mean, it was, a, it was, a, mm. it was an endurance race yeah, yeah. for all that stuff. So, you know, when, when, when I was there... We didn't have a lot of cars, and and I, I think that's what people lose sight of too. And, and you know it. Growing what up, was a lot? What was what a, cars did you have? A lot of cars were two cars. A lot, of, yeah. a lot of cars was two cars. You had a speedway car, and then you had your other car. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and and that was it. Yeah. And but and and you got to go back and, and remember too this body style that sets right here. You could run it for three years. You, you know what I mean? You could run same that, car. Same car. You could run that same body style. It wasn't a brand new body every year. It wasn't a brand new chassis every year. It wasn't a brand new it wasn't brand new stuff every year. You didn't get a brand new helmet every year. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean you just didn't. You were if that uniform's not faded, we can get another year out of that one. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So I mean, they would take and bend and break rules, but they bend a lot of rules. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the trick was to bend the rule. And, and, you know, it was like they go to Daytona and have six things wrong with the car. And they'd let you catch two of them, but they got by with four, right. you know. And that, but everybody did it. Every, it, was, it was not 
the funny part is when 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 people talk about the old days and talk about cheating or talking about changing or, or exploring the rule book and the gray area was everybody did it. It yeah, wasn't yeah. it wasn't just one team. And the other thing that, that happened then, and, and we've talked about before, is <laughs> it's never been truer. There were honor among thieves. You wouldn't if I saw you doing something. <laughs> if if I saw if I saw Dale doing something, I wouldn't turn him in. Yeah, I would just go try to do it better. I would see he got by with it. Well, if he can get by oh, yeah. with it, I can figure out a way to get by with it, and I'll go do that. You did, know what I mean? Did that, that was, code ever get broken over yeah. the years? It, it started to get broken. Yeah, but in two thousand, for example, in two thousand twelve, when everybody was moving the rear end houses, yeah. using these funky bushings and stuff to get the left rear to slide forward, everybody in the garage was looking at it instead of running and telling. They all tried to figure it out, figure make it, out. it better, and which ended up being yeah. uh, Brad Keselowski and those guys. They yeah. right around oh. the right time of the season, right there in the playoffs, they figured out how to make it even better. Yeah, and uh, ended up winning a championship. But I ain't saying that's why he won a championship, but they certainly found. Yeah, found listen, what we listen. Were. If you can take that advantage, and, and I just did a, a coffee with Kyle with Penske, and he talked about some of it that didn't make air. But if you can take that advantage, and then maximize that advantage. You know what I mean? That yeah. that's the deal. You know, if we have the same thing and I take what you're doing and I maximize it, then I'm gonna be better than you and then better than everybody yeah. else. So that's wait, that's you're saying Roger Pinsky told you on a coffee with Kyle things they were doing to the car that didn't make air but that they were making go faster? That Donahue did. He never said he personally did. Yeah. He right, said right, Donahue. Right, he was right. he was on the Donahue I, stuff. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> and and remember, I mean, if you go back to Donahue, he was the first guy to acid dip a car to make it lighter. You you know what I mean? And do stuff. So I yeah. mean they were they were way ahead of the curve. We acid dip cars. Acid dip? Yeah, you'd take the whole car and you would dip it in a huge vat of acid and it would eat into the metal and it would take weight out of the car. Um, but it also would take metal out of it. Uh, yeah, that's, what, that's the point. Is it, that's the point. And, and Listen, you know how it, you've, built, you've built race cars. <laughs> yeah. you, you've, built, you've built race cars. It is incredibly hard to save weight yeah. on a race car. It, I mean, incredibly hard because, you know, this bolt sticks out an eighth of an inch too much. Well, you do that times a thousand, that's a lot of weight. You don't think about it that way, but it ends up being a lot of weight. So we had to dip the car and went somewhere and ran it and all the acid hadn't come out of the frame rails and stuff <laughs> and just ate the paint off the side. sides. Of the, just ate the paint. <laughs> it was crazy. I think that would have been an indicator that yeah, something that was, was an indicator. That was an indicator. We had no, that, that reminds that, me, you know, we had Finch on the show a while back. And, uh, oh, you're and, kidding. And he said, uh, oh, you heard? <laughs> and I remember, I remember, you know, they were so good at Richmond and I remember a race at Richmond where they had hollowed out the U-bolts. Yeah. And right, right. And so they come in for a pit stop and then the whole undercarriage of the car just dropped like they, when they I remember. When, they, yeah. when they dropped the jack yeah. Yeah. they dropped the jack the the whole car just fell like yeah. like nuts and bolts went everywhere <laughs> yeah i remember that yeah yeah you, imagine, you know the, the hardest part about the hardest part about and i i will never forget this i think tony fur went to daytona one time with somebody and pushed their front fenders in and qualified like incredibly fast but they wouldn't come back out so the trick to to trick to getting something getting something by is to be able to do it and use the advantage. But then when you roll back through the room at that point in time, or you went back through, that it was right again. Yeah. Ooh, good. Everything good. Nothing I'm, to I'm see. good. You know, nothing, nothing to, to see, see here. here. <laughs> but if you just want to blatantly just do it, anybody can do that. That doesn't yeah. take a lot of imagination to do that. You know, it's, it's figuring how to do it and then get away with it. What's your earliest childhood memory of racing? Man, that's tough. Um, because I'm kind of like you, where you just went all the time. You know, you just went all the time. 
Um, I remember when I was in uh, second grade going to Greenville Pickens. Wow. Notice I call it Greenville Pickens. <laughs> I went to Greenville Pickens, and it was a dirt race. And it, Greenville Pickens may have been an eye-opener for me because it was probably the first time that I realized that everybody's dad didn't have a race car. <laughs> you you oh. know what I mean? I mean, I took a couple kids. That, I took a kid with me that I went to, to elementary school with, and he was just fascinated. I'm like, it's just a race car, dude. You know what I mean? It's just we're getting the, we're waxing Jabe Thomas's car. We're going to make Jabe's car run faster. That's a huge Jabe Thomas Really? Man. Oh, shoot, man. Are you kidding me? Jabe would let me wax his car. Yeah. You know what I mean? He would let me roll tires for him and wax his car when I was like eight, nine, ten years old. My dad and them, they wouldn't let me touch it, their car. You know what I mean? I mean, Dude, you couldn't. This is like your version yeah. of Jimmy Means. I, lived, yeah, you I lived the same experience yeah. with Jimmy Means. Yeah. Jabe dad, Thomas for me, man. Dad and his guys wouldn't talk to me. No. Wouldn't give you the time of day, no. man. And I'd go over to Jimmy's and wax yeah. his car. That's and, right. Go up and wax everybody else's car. Yeah, anybody that would let you touch a race car, man. You just wanted to touch a race car. That's all there was to it. But it, but it's funny. I, I remember, I, I know it's crazy, <laughs> seven, I remember going to, to Riverside in 68, 69. I was Holy about cow. eight or nine years old. And Dan Gurney, watching Dan Gurney drive for the Wood Brothers. And what was fascinating, his number was 121. Yeah. He had three numbers on a, on a stock car. And I was like, oh, my God, there's three numbers on the side Nobody's of the car. Nobody's ever did that. No, I've never seen that before in my life. You know what I mean? And I'm in second. I'm in the third grade, maybe third grade. Uh, we went Michigan. I rode in the truck from home to Michigan, Michigan to uh, Riverside, Riverside to Texas, then back home, and we picked up the Speedway car and went to Daytona. What a field trip. And this is oh, sum- that was it. That was summer. That was summer, <laughs> summertime. Man. Summertime. Summertime travel, man. That's the way summertime's work. So yeah. when I look at, you know, everybody talks about your first race is that ARCA race at 20 years old, I believe, in Daytona in 1979. Um, but well, I want to talk about that in a bit. When I look at pictures of your dad and, and see all the time on social media in the from the 70s you were there you yeah. were in the victory you were there you were you were working you were part of the deal you were you were doing whatever you yeah. did you know whatever you could do so help me understand in the day like i didn't drive till i was 15 or 16 and that seemed normal now everybody's five eight yeah. ten years old their kids are racing yeah you hadn't started Allah yet you're behind. I know. You're behind. I don't have. I don't That's have a suit or anything. I know yet. that fascinates. This is going to be our first race car right here. <laughs> and so I know probably felt completely normal for you to get in a car for the first time at 20 years old and go to Daytona and ARCA race. Well, I was 18. Or 18. Which is which is a whole other issue. Which is a whole. So here's what happened. Okay. Here's, it, this is what. Happened. I guess what I want to know is all through the 70s when yeah. you were a teenager, were you badgering your dad about racing? all the time? All the mm. time. What was he saying? 21. 21. 21. So his he, dad didn't let him race until 21. Yeah. His, his dad didn't let him drive a, drive a car until he was 21 years old. And, and he had badgered his dad. You know what I mean? Um, but 21. 21 is going to be the date. So 21. That was, that's it. 21. Go. 21. Yeah. You know? So from the time I was, so I got my, this is, this is crazy. I, I got my first motorcycle when I was like first grade. First grade. Got a motorcycle. And, but never had a go-kart, okay? My dad would not give it, let us have a go-kart. And because he said a go-kart will not teach you respect for speed. And a motorcycle will teach you respect because when you think you know everything, it'll put your butt on the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's exactly right. I mean, anytime I thought that I got too brave or was too fast, boom, I'm headed to the hospital. I got a broke ankle, I got a broke wrist, I got a dislocated shoulder, you know, that, but, so, 
from the time I was little, and, and, and I mean really riding that motorcycle, I'd ride that motorcycle and pretend like I was Bobby Allison. You know what I mean? <laughs> Charlie Glotzbach was my man. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, man, that purple wing car yeah. in, the, in the 70s, oh, my God, man. Purple. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it's crazy. When 1970, I will say the sidebar here, 1971, my dad won, um, won a road, one Daytona, won a Roadrunner. Um, purple, purple. I mean, metallic purple, half-white vinyl top, white leather interior, 71 Roadrunner. And that thing was bad to the bone. We'd drive it. I was 10. We'd drive it to the end of the, the driveway and set in it, and wait for the bus to come, and the bus would pick us up in the morning. Then in the afternoon, we'd get off and get to drive it back down the driveway. So we just drove <laughs> it all the time. But so when I was 10, um, I wanted to be Evil Knievel too because I saw Evil Knievel in, when they opened up Ontario. Oh. Um, so I wanted to be – this was pre-opening up Ontario. So I jumped this – I jumped over from the left side to the right side of this 71 Roadrunner, set the doghouse up and put a piece of plywood on it. <laughs> My little Yamaha 80, whoo, sailed over the roof of that thing. And um, so <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be a daredevil, man. I was going to be Evil Knievel. But I, I just grew up wanting to drive a race car. And here's what my dad told me, is, is if you want to drive, and, and if you really someday, and he told me this when I was 11 or 12, then you need to know how to work on cars. So from the time I would go and I'd sweep the, st- sweep the shop, and then they let me start sandblasting stuff. And I'd stand at a sandblaster with my arms in those big rubber gloves yeah. and sandblast all day long, man. And then they let me start painting it. I'd get sandblasted, and then I could paint certain parts. And then they taught me how to Magnaflux. So I'd Magnaflux it, make sure there's no cracks in it, man. I'd circle them. I'd say, Dale, is there a crack right here? This looks like a crack. He'd wipe that Magnaflux fluid off and say, no, that's not a crack. Don't worry about it. You can paint that one. So you do that. So that's what I'd do every day after school. I'd go to the shop, and I'd sandblast, Magnaflux, and understand that, that they would do this. They would bring this car in on a Monday morning, and they would put it up on jack stands, and they would take it apart. Engine would go back to the engine room. They'd take the front end out from under it, the rear end out from under it. Um, and we run torsion bars. These were Dodges and stuff. So you'd run torsion bars and stuff, leaf springs. All that stuff had to be sandblasted, magnafluxed, and repainted so it could go back on the car by Wednesday to go to the next race because you only had a couple of sets of yeah. spindles and maybe two rear end housings. So they would turn a car around in a couple of days and take that same car back to the racetrack. While we were doing all that, then it would be in the body shop, and then he would not go to the racetrack without it being touched up Brandy. and painted yeah. and looking good. You know what I mean? I, he is a Dale Inman or my dad. Or your my dad. dad. Yeah, I should know the answer to this. Sound. If you wanted, would when they ran the leaf spring cars in in the seventies, yeah. did you change the leaf spring at the racetrack? Yeah, but How it was did you hard. Do that? It was it was hard to change the leaf. Lot, most of the time, Dale would just take a leaf out. Um, and you know you had 16s, 15s, 17s. They they were rated at different numbers. It's a it's a different rate than what a coal spring is. Yeah. But you could take you just jack it up, take the weight off of it, and pull a leaf out. Whether it was a long leaf or a middle leaf, you I know you, you just pull leaves out of it. I and never that, ever that asked, a, I never even thought about that. You can if if you go back and look at some pictures of my dad, especially in the Roadrunner and the '68 Roadrunner, and and really in the early '70s and the Charger coming off of Turn Two at at Martinsville. That car will be rolled over so much you can see between over the left front tire and see the air cleaner on, <laughs> on top of the engine. I mean, that's how soft a right rear yeah. they would run when they go to Martinsville. But I always wanted to be a race car driver. And I, so I went to work and I, for he made me, I had to work one year everywhere. So I worked a year in, as a mechanic. 
I worked a year in the motor in the engine shop. I worked a year in the body shop. And once I got out of the body shop, I swore I would never go back and do body work. <laughs> I coughed up petty blue blood for a, or, or phlegm for a, a year. But I worked a year everywhere. So by the time that had cycled through, I was about 17. And the next step for me was to drive. Um, but that wasn't going to happen, according to my dad. So my mom wanted me to go to night school. And Why? She wanted me to be a pharmacist. My mom, <laughs> my mom, my mom had this dream that I was going to be a pharmacist. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I can, can see. Can you? <laughs> With those glasses, I, I can see drug dealer, but I can't see pharmacist. Okay. <laughs> With those glasses and that hair and a white coat, yeah, pharmacist. She, she wanted me to be a pharmacist. So um, I went to night school. True story. I went to night school for three weeks, and the dean of the night school, uh, the dean of the school I went to, I won't mention what it is. Uh, called my parents and told them they could have all my money back, not to send me back anymore. Dang. Um, what were you doing? I'd come in, I'd have Bondo dust all over me, or I'd smell like lacquer thinner, because I was working in the body shop at that point, you know what I mean? And I just didn't have time to clean up and go. You just went went to school. I, I didn't go. It wasn't a beauty contest, yeah. man. I just went to, to learn. So um, we were going through at, at the race shop, we were going through, my dad was, was winning races some, but not a lot. Things began to change. Uh, we were switching to, to Chevy. So we had a Dodge sitting there. An old Magnum. An old Magnum, man. Look it up. Look. Uh, <laughs> Twice as big as what the Magnum station wagon oh, the Dodge made ugly. in later years. It's yeah. an ugly car. <laughs> so my dad, Steve Mill, Steve Mill, you know Steve. Yep. Jeez, so yeah. my dad was like, you guys can, if y'all can get that ready, we'll go, we'll go test. So we worked that on was it. it. Ready. Yeah, so we got it ready. How? What? Yeah, yeah we'd, we'd have to work on it. We'd have so, to work on it when, when it wasn't when we weren't when you're when we weren't working. Regular. When your dad walked up and said that to you, what was your feeling? I got a warm feeling in my socks because I peed in my pants. <laughs> okay, I can tell you that because it was like, yeah, this is it, dude. You're gonna get to go get in a race car. Yeah. He would not let me. That in a true story, Dale and and those guys, they wouldn't let me get in a race car and back it out. And and just sat there. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. You couldn't. I'd never. They wouldn't let me. Now, when I was in ele- elementary school, backtrack a little bit. When I was in elementary school and stuff, I'd ride the bus home. And if you rode the bus home and got off the bus and you heard the race car running, boom, straight across my granddad's front yard, across that big field out there, straight to the race shop, because you knew at some point in time, before they went home from work, Dale was going to get in that thing, or my dad was going to get in that thing, and we were going to drive it out the end of the driveway. We were going to head about three and a half miles over to the county line and turn around and, and Mr. I can't remember the farmer's name, turn around in his driveway and drive it back and then jack it up and make sure nothing leaked. You know, make sure that all the lines were, were mm. sealed. And then we'd load it up on the truck and they'd head off to the next race. So there so, were folks driving so, around in Randleton, Randleman every once in a while. They might bit, see the, the, dot, car. Pe- the Dodge at Charger coming at them. Coming at them. Must coming have at been em. the most beautiful thing. <laughs> coming at them. It out. had think to be just think beautiful. About, think, <laughs> right. think about being, uh, and I laugh about because I think about living out there where, where we live and looking up and seeing that wing Superbird coming oh, down the God. highway at you. You know what I mean? Think, oh my gosh, God. man, aliens have landed yeah, right? here at Level Cross. <laughs> this re- so we got that thing ready, and we had an old truck named Clyde. Uh, Clyde was a double cab, rollback. You rolled up on it, and you the wheels were over the. You Did know. the Magnum have a name? No, nope, Magnum didn't yeah. have a name. No, no, we did, we never never named it. I, Clyde always had a name. I don't know why that truck was called Clyde. That's just what they called it. It's been a good truck. Yeah, it was a good truck, man. It was a good truck. So we hauled, loaded Clyde up and, and um, put that car on it. My dad said, well, go to Daytona and test. 
And I'm like, oh, man, we're going to Daytona. I'm 18 years old. Never been in a race car in my life. They had a bet I wouldn't run. I think they had a bet I wouldn't run 140 miles an hour the first time <laughs> around. I think I ran 152 my first lap. At first Daytona. lap. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. man, I am flying. This is crazy. But we went. This is when you could go to Daytona and – you could rent the racetrack for three days, and you could rent the racetrack for three days. So teams would rent it, and then you would have to call somebody up. Um, and we ended up going with crazy story. We ended up going with Goodyear Tire, and they were testing tires with Kenny Roberts uh, for motorcycles. So they were testing motorcycle tires while we were there testing God, the this, Magnum. This is your Disneyland right here. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it right? was, man. It was crazy. I'm here with Kenny <laughs> I'm Roberts. Gone to heaven. Yeah, this I'm is here it. with Kenny Roberts, and he's doing all this stuff, man. I go out and watch him run, and then I go out and try to make a lap or two. And um, your dad was he running to his car? No, no, so just by yourself. Yeah, just kind of by myself. He, he run my car. He, he, he took it out. Dry, he drove he took it out too? first. Well, here's what he did. All right, I don't know if you you ever got into this. So he's like, Let, let's go out. I'm gonna show you show you around Daytona. Okay. So we take a car cover and we throw it in the right side. Mm-hmm. He gets in, puts his helmet on, straps in, tells me to climb in. I should have I should have known at that point in time this was and we went out and ran like this is the first Richard Petty driving experience yeah, this ever. This is very first. We went out in like the second or third lap we run like 193 and he's like you're sitting in there. And I'm just si- I'm sitting here on the roll bars like this and he's like this. Okay, there's a big bump right here, so you don't want to hit this bump. You want to be down, but don't come down this low. This is before they run low. Yeah. You know, nobody run no. Nobody run around the bottom, man. Yeah. You run middle and top. That's where you run. And we'd be right up next to the wall, and he'd just be digging, just wheeling this magnum and, um, and, Un- and talking the whole time. And, and it never. I never thought about it until years later almost because it was like it was just like, okay, it was my dad. Deal. He's, t- he's telling me what to do, and this is how you're supposed to do I'm it. I'm trying to visualize this. Yeah. You, particularly. Yeah. You're in the car. Yes. He's going 193? Yeah. What are you hanging on to? Roll bars. Just hanging on. Sitting on a car cover. <laughs> sitting on a car cover. As you do when you're riding passenger. Yes. In a well, it's, 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 it's <laughs> all you had there. There's no seat. There's no seat. No man. seat. Yeah. What you yeah. Hard-ass floor. So uh, that's what we did. And we tested, and then we went back and raced. How did that race go? So when there's not... I haven't ever seen any yeah. footage of the race. I'm not sure there is. All any. right. Thank goodness. And you won the race. <laughs> it <went> good. <laughs> but you qualified well, yeah. right? Yeah. It and was How um, did how did your what do you what do you remember? Here okay, this is what I remember. Billy Hagen, who owned Terry Labonte's car mm-hmm. at the time. Ron Hutchison, okay? Mm-hmm. He had a car. Uh Bob Rezac. Brevac? I don't know if All it right. was Brevac or what that but anyhow, yeah. and a guy named Phil Finney. And Phil's um, nephew, I think his nephew is, is, was a NASCAR official for mm-hmm. a number of years. Anyhow, so there were about five or six pretty good cars that didn't run the ARCA schedule. You know, typical Daytona, let's go run an ARCA race. And then you had Moose Myers and a bunch of these other guys that, that run the regular schedule that were the guys running for the championship. So we went down there, and I think I qualified. Did I qualify second or third? I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think Hagen may have been on the pole. I don't know. So my dad said, okay, they, they were like, just kind of fall in line and figure this out. 
And I think the first time by, I was like six car lengths ahead when I came by the first time because I was like, oh, I, I don't want to follow these guys. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I, don't, I don't want to follow these guys. So anyhow, we run along there, and we run pretty decent. We run probably second, third, fourth, led a bunch. Yeah. I mean, off and on, just all over because we were all— Small little group. Yeah, of small little group. And uh, little by little, somebody would have some issues or something. And the guy that—I that, do remember this. John Markham ran, at the time, ran ARCA, and he told us in the ARCA race— or told us in the driver's meeting, never forget it. He said, we're here for one reason and one reason only, to put on a show for these fans who have come to see the Cup Stars qualify right after we race. So we have a limited amount of time. We need to get in here. We need to do this. If you stink up my show Mm. and pull away Mm. and we get too big a gap, there's going to be a caution. Uh We're not going to let somebody get away. (laughs) That's great. We're, We're not going to let somebody. So I come down pit road, first pit stop. And I got my dad's guys. I, I leave. I'm like 18 seconds ahead. <laughs> Boom. Caution. I mean, I'm way ahead. Yeah. I don't know what it is exactly, but I'm way ahead. Caution comes out. I have an idea why yeah, you you're know ahead. I mean? Yeah. Caution comes out. So we had one green flag stop. I remember we had a green flag. I think we had a green flag stop. I came down and, <laughs> and I'd never left the pits. I pop that baby in gear and drop the clutch, and I, man, I look like a pro stock car. It just stands up like this, <laughs> and I don't go anywhere. You know what I mean? I don't. Tires as hard as this table back then, and I, I was. My uncle Marsh was so mad he threw his stopwatches at me, and, and they ricocheted off the back and went over the hood while I'm still sitting here, kind of. You know what I mean? The guy that should have won the race is a guy is Phil Finney. Phil Finney should have won that race. He was the best car. He was. Put them, they put themselves in position, and they just outrun everybody when it, when it came down to time. But if not but for, he hit a seagull in the middle of the backstretch, oh. and his windshield caved in. And that's when you run glass windshields. Everybody run glass windshields. You used to hit windshield. People used to hit seagulls all the time in practice and stuff. They'd kind of get away once the racing started, and everybody – but every now and then... You'd have that dumb seagull. You'd have a, that one dumb one. That one with a death wish. And he yeah. would come flying back to check out and see what was happening. And it's windshield caved in. We ended up... So I ended up winning the race, I think. And I um, <laughs> went into turn three, and I can't remember who who was... But he got to my outside. And because where the start-finish line is, it was just... I mean, I ended up beating him back. Wow. So you had a battle on your hands on to the finish. Down to the finish. <clears throat> that was it. That's crazy. What does Richard Petty say to you after you win that race? <laughs> uh, if he's – and, and this will be a test. Never – I don't ever remember him telling me the things I did right, but he told me everything I did wrong. Really? Everything I did wrong. Everything. And my granddad was the same way. I saw my granddad tell my dad one time um, they went to – Dover, and they won by like six or seven laps. And my granddad asked him why he didn't win by eight because he was convinced he could have won by two more laps if he'd have really drove. Oh my god! You know what I mean? I mean, never. I didn't grow up in a family where people told you, "Good job, good job, there, buddy. Really, good job. Let's go do it again." No, you were expected to do a good job. I mean, that that, you were, that was your expectations. You were expected to go. That's this amazing. Is, yeah, this is what you you had a cup you had a cup pit crew. You better, I had a cup you, car. You, you had you a know, cup car, and, and that right. was that was the deal. So <laughs> so my career from there went from I went there, and then I came to Charlotte and crashed like twice testing um, the Magnum. The Magnum put oh. it back together. Went to Daytona, um, crashed qualifying at Daytona all by myself. Man, we had that thing hung out because that's when you can you know, <laughs> didn't have much of it, and and I didn't know any better. I didn't, 
Third, the, listen. So I go, I go Daytona, come to Charlotte, practice, tear everything up, go to Daytona in July, and wreck by myself qualifying, and that's my racing career. So guess what my next race is? Talladega. <laughs> Let's go to Talladega. <laughs> Let's take this kid to Talladega. He's got it going so on. So as man. hard as your dad was on, you know, you're not going to race till you're 21. You're gonna, do, you know, you're gonna work a year in all yeah. the departments. As hard as he was on you, but then you go through that. He, were, were you ever nervous that he, you were gonna go home from oh, Charlotte yeah. from Daytona? Oh yeah, and he's and he's gonna go. We ain't gonna fix that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, but but here's the thing, pharmacy. He, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. pharmacy. <laughs> but here here's the thing, is as long as you were willing to show up and put it back together, yeah. you can go again. Well, okay. Good. Yeah, you can go again. You know, what I mean? and that was the deal. Yeah, it's it's not. You know, and so you just grew up like you just grew yeah. up working on cars. I mean, I'm sorry, that just and I love to work on. I'd, if I and I always said, if I could not be, if I was not a drive, if I'd never become a driver, I would have been a fabricator. Yeah, because I love to fabricate. I mean, and that's when you still used English wheels, and I mean, you could make magic. Yeah, you could still skirt things around and make some stuff. So. I think that's the best advice you could give anybody, a young kid, especially if uh, they want to become race car drivers when they do tear it up to be there the next day, that's right. the next morning. Because I, I, I wrecked at Charlotte in an Xfinity car in 97. I had ran a race or two, but nothing really crazy. And I thought that that was it. I yeah. was like, that's the end of my career right there. I've, I'm, I'm done. And I went home and was sit, feeling sorry for myself. And Dad came in there and he goes, what the hell are you doing? I was like, it's over. He's like, they're over there cutting the back off that car right now. That's right. I ain't your ass over there helping them. That's right. You tore it up, dummy. Yeah, you tore it up. You go help them fix it. <laughs> and I mean, and that's the way we're, when I went to drive for the Wood Brothers in the mid '80s, and I, we we would wreck in practice, or I'd wreck something. I just show up at the shop and and try to help. You know what yeah. I mean? Because that's just that was my life. My life was working. That's I, I I will say this to you: the hardest thing for me making the transition from being around race cars to doing TV was not having a shop to go to and not working on something yeah. that at the end of the day, you could look at it and say, I helped put that together. Yeah. Or I made that, you know, because you just sit and talk, you know, and there's no, there's no end product that yeah. there didn't feel like you didn't make anything, you know, I got a 66 Nova wagon that's going to be my next yeah. project. We'll get back to Kyle in a second, but first, Dale, you got something for us. Hey, everyone. Dirty Mo Media President Mike Davis here. Excited to tell you about one of our newest sponsors at Dirty Mo, Airbnb. The irony here is that Airbnb is new to Dirty Mo Media, but Dirty Mo Media is not new to Airbnb. It has been accommodating us for years. And if you are a race fan, and I think you are, you know why. I mean, you've booked hotels at, uh, during a race weekend. They're, the prices are insane. You're stuck with these unreasonable multi-night minimums. Whereas Airbnb, you got many choices, all within proximity, and it ends up being way more affordable. Now, I'm not only a frequent Airbnb guest, but my wife and I are also Airbnb hosts. And you should be too. We've been doing it for years. I'll tell you why. We have an investment property that we realized it could be earning additional income through Airbnb. You don't have to have an investment property to do that. You could just find extra space in your home. That works too. It all could be making you some extra cash. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kyle, hold on. I got to ask you something because this is a perfect segue. This is a perfect moment to ask you about this. 
all of that stuff you just said, I couldn't help but notice when I looked at your first couple cup seasons. Yeah. Okay. Did I see this right? I mean, 18 of 31 races in, in 1981 were DNFs. Yeah. 15 of 29 races in 82 were DNFs, but it wasn't because of crashing. No. It, listen to this. Total, 50 races in his first two cup seasons, 33 DNFs, 19 engine failures, and 10 other part failures, whether it was a transmission yeah. or a thing like that, right? Yeah. Which I couldn't help but think of that when you were talking about how the petty early, the early days was a tr- went, get, getting, to, so I will explain. getting to 75 laps to go and then outrace them at the end. But you were having so <laughs> a I will hell explain. of a time. I will explain. Okay. And, and this is where – so everything about my career, um, especially the early part of my career, is all about business. It's all business. Um, and, and I didn't have a late model car, and I didn't have a Bush car at the time because we weren't in the Bush business. Yeah. We weren't in the late model business. We had cup cars. We had cup wheels. We had cup <laughs> engines. We had cup transmissions. And that's what we, had, we did. We were cup racers. You know what I mean? So it was cheaper for me to go cup racing. All right? It was also cheaper for my dad to run the motor this week and just power wash it and put it in this car for the next week. You know what I mean? So you weren't going to get 1,000 miles out of these engines. And we knew that going in. I mean, and I knew that. But I didn't have the experience either. You know what I mean? Here's a kid that, that as you look at 80, going into 80, I had, or going at 79, I run five, five races. Okay? So going into 80, I have a, a total of six races under my belt, counting the ARCA race. Ever. You see what I'm saying? So, right. I mean, you're looking at, you look at, and I ran Ontario, I ran Michigan, I ran, I think it might have, I ran Atlanta, ran Talladega. I mean, I never, I had run six races and never ran anything under a mile and a half in my whole life. That's amazing. I had never, had never <laughs> driven anything, but had never been on a racetrack smaller uh, other than a mile and a half. So crazy? So when you look at it. <laughs> no it, it learning was, curve whatsoever. No, there was no, no. It was like, hey. You want to be a swimmer? Let's go to the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, throw him in the pool. <laughs> but 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 the point was, it was just cheaper for us. Yeah, it, it was more economical for us to go and do this. And and I'll go back. And this is I'm going to say this. This is this would be a tough to run two cars with what we had at Petty Enterprises and what we were doing. We had a winning team um, with my dad and stuff, and with my uncle Maurice and with Dale and those guys. But remember. They were on cast iron heads that had to be hand ground. You know what I mean? I mean, you would hand grind these heads, put them on a flow bench and flow them. So you're asking the engine department all of a sudden to double down and do double the work. So we'll just take care. You take care of the engine on Sunday. We'll try to cool it down when the race is over and make sure the heads don't crack. We'll change the head gaskets. You know what I mean? Put a new manifold on it because we're going to a different race. Maybe we'll degree the cam a little bit different. You know what I mean? Change a push rod or a rocker if they look like they're beating the beating the seats out of them or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go. Your turn. That that kind of thing. That explains. So it. It, so it was. I mean, it was not. I never looked on it. I, I never looked at it as a bad thing because the whole time I'm getting experience. You're getting seat I, time. I'm out and look, and and you know it, and 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 I'm out there in '79 and '80 and '81. I'm on the same racetrack with your dad. With Richard Petty, 
with Kel Yarbrough, with Bobby Allison, with Buddy Baker, with David Pearson. I mean, the guys that I grew up in the 60s worshiping. You mean, I mean, I just thought these guys, even though I was a Richard Petty fan, I mean, I just thought these guys, this group of guys, were the greatest group of guys in the world. Bobby Isaac, man, I loved Bobby Isaac. But those, those guys were just always nice to, to me and Davey or to Larry and Ricky, to us. They, I mean, we'd sneak in the garage area with Gazaway, and if Gazaway would see us, he'd try to throw us out, but they'd hide you. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they'd protect you, too. It wasn't just your dad protecting you. It was, yeah, come here, jump up in the cab of my truck and sit here for 30 minutes. They'll be gone. They won't come back. You know, that kind of thing. Wow. So it was, it was just a different... And, you know, because you came along then and, and started hanging with your dad and stuff at the racetrack, it was different in the, in the, in the early 80s and, and, and 90s. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, it's just different, man. You had a friendship with Michael Waltrip throughout the majority of your racing career. I knew this would be downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so how did that, I guess, it, you know, there had to be some, I don't know how we got, I, I don't, you know how I got up with Michael? I, I, I will tell you exactly how I got. Michael was dating Beth Wood, Leonard's daughter, oh. and I was driving for the Wood Brothers. And that's how I got up with Michael. Seems honestly. like though that y'all were closer before that because Michael came, was living over at the house. He, he came, he came and moved in, but that, but that was all the same time, early eighties, oh. early, early eighties. He built a, he built a baby grand car yeah. up in Level Cross and went to Daytona and won with the thing. Uh, he and Richie Bars worked on that thing and, and built it. Um, but you know what? He just, he came down and didn't have, he was with Quisenberry then. Yeah. Remember Quisenberry had some stuff, so he was with, with uh, Quisenberry and those guys. But he was just, Michael, even, even then, Michael was still 12 years old. You, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? I mean, I know he's 12 years old today, but he was, he was 12 years, he was the same then. Yeah. He, he was, he's never... He left my dad's house one day, pulled out of my dad's driveway, or pulled out of my dad's garage carport, and started up the driveway, and it's probably from here, it, it may be from here to your outer office, okay, and went to sleep and ran out through the woods in his car. I mean, he went to sleep in like 75 feet, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, that's how, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, here I am. <laughs> and then just runs his Monte Carlo out through the woods. It's hilarious, man. My dad was hot. I just remember in the nineties, y'all were just so close. Yeah, we just we just hung out. But yeah. I mean, it was like you, you you almost have to go back where I don't I don't know if we were especially especially and when when he first started coming around, we were. I mean, we were the only two guys that were younger. Period. You know, even that were, was doing really anything, and because. Like your dad started in in seventy nine. I ran for rookie of the year in seventy nine, but he was twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty nine, yeah. right along in there. Mm-hmm. And I was eighteen. Yeah, you know, I was ten or eleven years yeah. younger than him. So that everybody was that. That's the way the gap was. He was the norm. Yeah, and I was abnormal. Now then, it, the Jeff Gordon effect came along and it shifted. It skewed yeah. it back ten years. Uh, but at that time, it just there was nobody around but Michael. Yeah, yeah. You had a lot of success. With Felix, particularly with Gary Nelson, we try. Yeah. To, we're trying to get Gary to come on. Oh, the show. you need him. He's very nervous about coming on here because he knows <laughs> that I'm going to ask him about you know how he made cars go fast. Yeah. You're going to ask him about his creativity. Yeah. He's yes. one of the most creative guys that yes, we may is. have. We yes, may have is. had in our garage area. Yes. So I mean, that had to been you. You know, had had success, won races, yeah. but now like you're no. competitive every single week. Yes. Gary is like, I like a the master. Hold on. I like the thing. Is this, for, is this when he's driving for Felix or yeah, for the wood? Felix. Uh, Felix. Felix. Okay. Yeah. Here's what. Okay. 
So I, I will I will put it in one of the in one of the prettiest race cars. I know everybody loves the Mount. This is the, the forty-two. Everybody, everybody loves the Mellie yellow car. Yeah. yeah, but the peak car. The peak car, is car my was, favorite. Peak any car. Yeah, the peak car was jamming. The peak car was jamming. The peak car was a a play on what the Hornets were at that time. Really? Yeah. Oh. That that was Felix's big deal. He wanted something that kind of you know. I always remember thought the purple that and teal, and they had the pink pinstripes, yeah. and they had all that. I always stuff. thought when I saw your cars that you helped design them. No, no. this was, They this seemed is, like they matched your personality. personality. He loves yeah. his purple. Yeah, yeah, we had, what he yeah said. that's exactly yeah. right. And, and we had input, but, but Felix decided that's the direction he wanted to go. You know, he and Rick and a couple of those guys were minority partners that's when, right. when, when they first came in, when the Hornets first came. This is the way I look at, and this was my, Felix was, in hindsight, I'm going to say in hindsight, Felix was my one and only opportunity in my career to really, really win races. And this is why I say this. When I drove for my dad's team, we were on the backside. Mm-hmm. And you talk about 80 and 81, you know, when I'm, when I'm just trying to learn how to drive a race car and you're braking. So, and then my dad leaves and goes to drive for Mike Curb. Um, and then I run a single year out of Petty Enterprises by myself, you know, with a Ford. We switch over, and I run a Ford. And then I go to the Wood Brothers, who have never run a full season, mm. who have never run a full I, season. I didn't realize that. So they, it took us almost two years to get in the swing mm. of running a full season. Yeah. You know what I mean? So by the time we got in that swing, then I, I left them. Funny story. I told Eddie, and then when I went up there, I said, hey, I look around the shop. I'm the only guy here that's last name's not Wood. Mm-hmm. So I know when you make a change, it's going to be me. All you got to do is call me. I, I understand, I understand <laughs> oh, how, how racing works. You yeah. know what I mean? I understand how it works. I mean, and that's the way it works. So he called me one day and he said, hey, we're going to make a change. I'm like, I'm good. You know what I mean? So I ended up with Felix, and Felix had nothing, nothing. Um, he, bought, he bought a team from Rick, and he bought it. And it would be like walking in your shop and looking around, and Felix is like, yeah, man, I bought this team. <laughs> and then coming in about a week later, and there's nothing in here. And Felix is like, well, Rick, where'd that go? Well, I didn't own that car, and that was Chevy's car. And those motors, they belong to somebody else. So you got those four wheels over there. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it was so funny, man. Oh, man. But, but we started, but started, and we didn't, we didn't have a team. And then we were going to run 15, 18 races in 89 and then ease into it. So that's the only team that I ever was part of building something and then sticking it out for a little while. Mm. And then, and I'll, I'll get back to your, your question, but then one day I decided that my granddad had to give my dad a place to race, and my dad gave me a place to race, and I needed a place for Adam to race. And I didn't have a place for Adam to race. So I started my own team. Um, and then I built it for a couple of years, and then I just went back home to end my career there. So I never stayed. I was always building, never, yeah. never established. Felix was the most established thing, but I'd won a couple of races for the Wood Brothers. Yep. Um, one at Richmond when somebody crashed. Um, oh, I think it was your dad. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think it was your dad. And, Big and crash. Darryl. Big crash, man. And I, weave, and I weave through the, that, and, and I weave through the, through the carnage there. And, um, I, I told this story not long ago. We, um, there was a pool. We used to put money in a pool. Everybody had money in a pool and it was a big pool, big money pool. Yeah. Okay. Not, okay. It's not $50 pool. Yeah. It's a big money pool. And Elliot was winning all the races. Bill Elliott was winning all the races. So we got to a point in the pool where 
you would, I was with Lynn and Eddie, and we got to a part, point in the pool where what you would do is you would take your own car, so we would have the 21 car, and you would just draw a peel. They would draw a peel out of the, out of the box and say, okay, whoever finishes fifth today wins the money. Because oh. you knew if you drew the nine car at you Talladega, yeah. Bill Elliott's going to win yeah. Talladega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daytona, Bill Elliott's going to win Daytona. I mean, yeah. he was kicking butt and taking names. So Richmond. We drew, we had our, our thing. We're running fifth with about 10 laps to go. Eddie comes on the radio. He's like, we got this one. <laughs> We're going to win the pool. We got this one. We are in the pool. He's, he's like, they can't catch you and don't catch them. You don't pass don't them. catch them and they can't don't catch pass. you. We got this, baby. We got the pool. That's awesome. And so, boom, all of a sudden they crash. <laughs> Eddie, he's like, no. Eddie keys up the mic. <laughs> and I mean, we—he is mad. I'm mad. Everybody, everybody, everybody that's involved in this is mad because we're losing some cash here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, <laughs> and we talk about it. We talk about it for a lap, maybe maybe more than a lap. I mean, we're just on, on the radio, on the radio just back and forth, just yak 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 yak. You think some of these guys yak now? We were yakking on this radio, and all of a sudden he's like, "Hey, wait a minute." Silence. He's like, I think we're leading. I think we might win this race. And I'm like, you're kidding me. He's like, no, did you see Rutman when you come through there? And I said, I didn't see anybody, dude. Yeah. I, I didn't see anybody down there. And they were crashed on both sides. I mean, it, it was they, that they got up? in the wall here, and then there were people in the inside wall over here. And, I mean, we just weaved our way through. It wasn't just like It ended that way. Is it that ended right? that way, yeah. yeah. So you race. didn't have to go back right. So, no. so okay, so you guys Yeah, were there was upset no such thing as green white checkered. Not, not knowing, knowing you were leading. Or not knowing win. we were upset, not understanding that we were leading. That's and hysterical. upset because we were the pile of cash just moved to another player. You know that what I mean? Is we just lost. Come to find out I think I don't believe anybody won the cash that day. I think it rolled over to uh, <laughs> to, to another week because Somebody, nobody had anyway. Land, I was texting Landon Cassidy the other day and he's like did you ever gamble in racing? And I, on your, I was like, I only bet on myself a few times. I was like, I, was, uh, I said one time we had a, we bet on ourselves to win at Vegas in 1998 in the Xfinity Series, and we taped the ticket to the dash. Yeah. Oh, did you really? Yeah, and I yeah. ran second to Spencer. No way. Right on his bumper. Dang. If I had a look, and Tony Jr. said, did you did not look? I said, I forgot about it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I was like, damn, if you'd remind me, I might have moved Spencer back. I was afraid to touch Spencer. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Did they did they come on the radio and say anything about that? Okay, so that was after I, the race. It was I never knew it was there until yeah. after the race. After yeah. the race. That's hysterical, man. Yeah. yeah. You guys and your so, I, so driving for Felix, yeah, we won some we won, we ran good. Yeah. You know, we I, I, that was the first my first opportunity and only opportunity really to just go to the racetrack every week and know you had a shot. Mm. To know, I mean, I, I don't think any driver ever goes and says, I got a snowball's chance. You mm. always feel like, man, they might wreck going in turn three again like they did at Richmond my first race, yeah. you know what I mean? But you felt like every time you went with Gary, and then later with Robin, every time I went with, with John Wilson building engines and Sutton and, and Jim Long and that group, man, you just felt like you could win races. Yeah. And that, that's a good feeling, man. Guys, let's take a quick break from the conversation. Dale Jr., let's talk about an important partner on the Dale Jr. Download. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. You ended up breaking your leg at Talladega. Ooh, yeah. Driving the uh, Meliella car. Yep. And it's funny because Dale Jarrett works at NBC. Kyle, obviously, we're all around each other. And to hear them two tell the story <laughs> because DJ was involved in the crash as well. Yep. Tell me about it. Tell me Tell me the story again. It was just a wreck. It's yeah. ta- typical Talladega wreck. Where, where it starts, how it starts, God only knows. Um, I was on the inside. I was on against the outside wall. I do remember being along the outside wall, sliding backwards along the outside wall in a straight line down the back stretch. Um, and then I guess I had the way I had the wheels cut as it got to a certain speed, it just opened up, you know, it just opened up away from the wall. And when it opened up away from the wall, then it opened up in front of Ernie and Ernie hit me in the door. Um, and it broke my leg. And, um, and I, you know what? It's a crazy thing, man. Didn't, didn't have a clue that it was broken until I landed over into the grass in the in the grass, um, and and I looked down and I had a white uniform on. Only time I ever wore a white uniform driving the Mellow Yellow car. <laughs> Honest to gosh, all my uni- all my uniforms were black. Yeah, they were black Mellow Yellow yeah. uniforms. And for some reason, they were like, "Man, you got to get a white one. It's gonna be hot at Talladega. You got you got yeah. it's gonna be hot." I you, would not wear black you, uniforms. You don't not you do not need a black uniform. And I looked down and and it was, it was red. Bad. It was bad. And there was a there. It was you could see that it, the bone was protruding up through the up, up to the cloth. You know what I mean? Oh, and and my leg was turned a, a goofy way. Oh, the way no. it and, to be turned. and Dale Dale came over and took the window net down because he you know because I I never thought about taking a window net down. We didn't have those things where you take the window net down if you're okay. We didn't have any of that then, and um, so he took the window net down and I think he might have got sick. But he, when he took the window net down. He said, are you okay? And I said, I think my leg's broken. He looked straight at it and just turned around and threw up. He was gone, man. He was gone. <laughs> he was gone. That's, he, the last, that's the last time I saw him. And, and again, he had a glass windshield. Okay? And this is funny. I, I've got this video. I will, I will search for it and bring it sometime. So the guys that cut me out of the car, they're making a video of it. On, man, they're, we're pumped. We're using the jaws of light. we okay, got to get this yeah, guy yeah, out yeah. of here. You know how that is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We're, we're, we're pumped up. So, we're going to cut the C post right here. Let's cut this C post. So I'm sitting in the car, you know, and kind of talking to him. And I don't, I don't, I, I never, 
and this is going to sound bad, and this is not a slam at NASCAR and not a slam at anybody. I never remember a doctor or a paramedic being anywhere close by. Yeah. It was just the record guys. Just me and the record. You guys. look fine. Me and the record guys. We're just <laughs> we're just we're just having a good time. That's not true. I mean, I'm sure they were. I'm there. sure they probably. Just were. I just don't. I just don't I remember. It. So they put the jaws of life in this thing right here above me, and the guy said, "Turn your head." I turned my head, and he mm, pop. And when it popped, glass went everywhere. Oh, so I got I got my leg here, and my bone sticking out, and there's glass everywhere. Oh. And the guy turns around, straight face, and he said, "Make a note. Take windshield out next time we cut." <laughs> <laughs> and you hear it on the tape just as clear as a bell. Make a note. Take the windshield out next time, people. And um, so anyhow, they get me out and take me, they take me to the um, they take me to the infield carriage center and then they airlift me. This is a Monday, and they airlift me to Caraway Medical Center. And I had a doctor, Dr. Bromberg. Um, and, and I remember laying there. I remember laying there, man, and I'm laying on this table. He's like you okay? You okay? You okay? You okay? You know, he's touching you, and you know how that is. Yeah, and you know it's and coming. You know, and you don't want to be, you know, it's like when you get out of a car and the rescue guy wants to help you to the car. Don't touch me, dude. Mm-hmm. I can walk to, I'm, I'm not, I'm okay, you know. And um, Oh, that reminds me of something yeah. else I want to ask you. So, so, he's hold, so my, I'm strapped down. I'm strapped on this table because they don't know what, they just know there's a bone sticking out of my leg, you know, and they've still not put it back in because you can't pull it. They don't want to pull it back in because they don't know what dirt and glass and yeah, stuff's in yeah. it. So they can't. So I'm just laying there all but buck, buck ass naked <laughs> with a bone sticking out through my leg here. So finally he gets to a place and, he, and I'm like, it's, it's my arm. I think my arm's hurt. So he unstraps me and I grab him. <laughs> and, and I'm like, it's my effing leg. And yeah. make sure you get it back the right length. That's all I care about. Just yeah. make sure you get it the right length, man. And he's like, we'll do the best we can. And next thing I know, I'm passed out. And it's a day later, and two nurses are getting me up to to go to rehab. And I said, excuse me? And these two nurses are like, come on, Mr. Petty, it's time to go down to rehab. I said, you know what? I'm going to lay here on my ass, and I'm going to feel sorry for myself for a little bit longer. <laughs> and they said, you know what? You're going to get up off your ass, and mm. you're going down to rehab with us right now. Yeah. And they snatched my butt up, and 24 hours later, I was up. Walking up steps, trying to walk up steps with a rod in my leg and a pin in my hip and all this other stuff. And that was it. That's physical therapy for everyone who's just been through a surgery. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, nobody wants to go the next day, and yet they're I like, know. no, you, you better gotta go. go. You got to go. It was, most, it was the most I, fascinating thing. This just reminded me of something, and it's one of my favorite Kyle Petty moments. And, and, and I remember vividly watching it, and it was at Daytona 1993 when you and Bobby Hill in a friend. Yes. And I, it's, it's favorite only because – People are trying to come up to help you, and you're literally like yeah. a pissed-off girlfriend. Do not help Who me. is just <laughs> swatting people away. Bobby's wanting to talk to you about something, and you're going— Yes. You, and, and you just don't want to hear none of it. And when and when he finally forces you to have the conversation, you are literally grabbing him and doing yes. things like this. And the next thing you know, you go on your walk about like— It looked like to the infield. It looked like you were going to go to the fans or yes. something. But now, I, so I'm, that's funny to me just because we know you. Yeah. I always wondered, though, Bobby really didn't do anything on purpose, though, right? I mean, like, I don't here's even what know he what did. you were mad about. Here, yeah, here's what he did. Here's what he did that okay. pissed me off that day. I always wanted to know and I'm And I'm still pissed off about it. Wow, okay. okay. I will forever be pissed off about it. Okay. Is we were, we were behind the wreck. We were, we were not. We, we were behind. Way behind. We were behind because we had had a bad pit stop. So we were behind. 
So we're just easing our way through, and he lets, as we get to him, he let, takes his foot off, off the, the brake, brake and rolls down the bank. Okay? All he had to do was sit there until every car goes by, until every car goes by, and then you can roll down. Okay? Because there was nobody coming through at speed. Nobody was coming through at speed. Right. I mean, we were running 60, 70 miles an hour. Right. Don't get me wrong. You know, I mean, it's not like we were running 25 miles an hour. But we had slowed down enough because you saw the cars up against the outside wall and you saw the cars in the infield and stuff. So to me, to me, it's always been that he just let his foot off the brake. So, that was it. So when you climbed up on the car, what did you yell? <laughs> Probably something that <laughs> I, there's no telling. I, I, listen, I slammed his visor down and walked off. You know what I mean? When he just kept talking, shut up. You know what I mean? When somebody doesn't want to talk, just be quiet. You know what I mean? And it was nothing. Look, uh, to this day, Bobby Hillen is one of the nicest yeah. guys you will ever meet. And we have talked about it a, a million times. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I've seen him when we go to Texas, and I, he's just a good guy. I really like Bobby. Um, you didn't want but that, but that, but that day I didn't want anything day. to say. I didn't want to talk to, to him. To the emergency workers? I didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have to go to the hospital then. Yeah. You didn't, we didn't right. go to the hospital. We yeah. just got out and left. You had a few incidents like that. You slapped Denny's visor Denny. down. Oh, Do- that's right. Denny. Dover. I, Dover, I slapped Denny. Listen, this is my best one with D- Denny, and I love Denny. And as, but I went over to him. I was trying to get out of his way, and he spun me, which pissed me off, which he, got, he was in it too. He was in it too. Yeah. And so I go down and just say, if, if you'd give me 15 more foot, you know, coming up out of the corner at Dover, just give me, 15, just give me a little bit. I'm here, and you've got plenty of room. It's, it's, it's done. So, you know, he just sits there, and he's staring. And he's not even – he won't say anything. And I said, you got anything to say? And he's like, just staring. So I just reached in and slammed his visor down. You know what I mean? Because he's still strapped in the car. Yeah. So I go back down to my car, and I'm working on my car, trying to get my stuff ready again. It's five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen. I don't know what it is. And he comes down to my car. And this was a bit better footage because I looked straight at him and I said, there's a five-minute rule on comebacks, and you missed it. Now turn your ass around and head back to your car. You know what I mean? I mean, if you don't have a comeback right, right now, don't come back tomorrow. You don't get to think about what you're You don't get to think about what your comeback is. Right. You know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't you, come down. This is an you irrational know? sport with irrational yes. reactions. We don't have time for logic here. Exactly. Exactly. Think it's out. not. It's just react and move on down the road. <laughs> but, yeah, I slammed his visor, too. And, and, and listen, and it was not... I was in his way. I, that's a hundred. That was a hundred percent Kyle Petty's fault, and I will take the blame for that one. Driving for Willard Brothers at Talladega one time, uh, something happened, and you ended up spinning out down the front straightaway and ended up in the grass down in turn one and two. And you had an in-car camera, and that was a real funny one too. <laughs> oh, what I, happened? Well, I saw it on social media probably about two months ago. I follow all these guys that post a bunch yeah. of old stuff, and he is sitting in the car trying to get out of the mud. And he is tearing a new one. And yeah. all these guys that are coming to the car to, like, I don't know whether they're like, we can't get you out of the mud, Kyle, or what do you want us to do, Kyle? And <laughs> so it's all the, it's, and, and what oh, is, yeah. Like, what does he say? Listen. I don't know. He, I mean, there's no telling. Hand signals were I have, oh, epic. Listen, yes. And look, <laughs> I, I, put a, I put a NASCAR official on the hood at North Wilkesboro one day. Um, the guy that holds the stop sign. Yeah. I put him on the hood. I was teed off at him Why? one day. I don't remember. Good Man, Lord. I had a temper. See, you did. I had a temper. And, and, and did you way, have that temper when you started? Yeah. 
I think so. Because man, when you I don't see, have a temper yeah, now. I, Listen, I know when I see I don't pictures. Have a when I see pictures of you, your dad was the same way. When I see pictures of Richard Petty or Kyle Petty in the seventies, particularly, y'all look like the nicest people that you could possibly <laughs> meet. And then when you see Kyle in the, I guess some of the eighties, yeah. apparently in the nineties, he's like hot and short. You know, oh, short-tempered yeah. and I had a temper, hot-headed. And- this is why I don't think pharmacy school called the Petties no. and said he smells like sawdust. Yeah, I think <laughs> Kyle Petty said something to the no, teachers. That could have been, too. But I, I, <laughs> listen, I had a bad temper. And here's the thing, and and I will I, I, I say this, and this is I, – I am not – like, if, if you want to play checkers or you want to play chess or you want to play a game, I'm not competitive. I'm the most non-competitive guy in the world, hmm. okay? But you put me in a race car, and my brain goes crazy because hmm. I am the most competitive guy in my head. You, you know what I mean? I mean, I am – I just want to beat everybody. I didn't do too good a job at it, but I just want to beat people and be the best that day hmm. with those people. You or win I mean? the pool. Yeah, or win the pool. But, but when things go bad, it just – it's so freaking frustrating – when you're that, when you go that way. Yeah. But then, and that's why I've never allowed myself, like, Latart and all those guys playing golf. I don't, I'm just not. Hey, if I hit six in the pond, good for me, dude. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I got it in the big hole out there. I got six hole in one. <laughs> I right got it there. in the big hole. In the big hole. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got it in the mud hole. I'm good. So I'm just, I'm just not competitive like that. And, and I think, and once I, once, I, once I got out of a car, I don't have a temper. You know, I just don't, I mean, it's crazy. How, how things change. Do you ever, ha- do you, whether it's driving or on TV, do you have one thing that you regret doing or saying? No. no. You have no regrets on anything that you've ever done or said? No. Uh-uh. When you watch a race today, no. do you see anything you miss? Okay, let me go back to him one, one minute. Here's why I don't regret things. Okay, I think there was a time in my life I regretted things mm. before Adam. Mm. B- before Adam. But now I don't regret anything because I think everything you do good, bad, or indifferent leads you to something different that is good, bad, or indifferent. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's not, if I take back and I say I should have never said that, then if I had never said that, maybe I would have never gone off. In the, you know what I mean? So everything, I, I'm, I'm, I just think everything happens for a reason. So, right. I mean, I've hurt feelings, and people have hurt my feelings, and I've said things that I probably shouldn't have said, but I never say anything I don't believe. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sing... I'm not going to sing the company line, and I'm not going to sing for my supper. I may go hungry, but that's just the way I'm going to be. I'm, I'm going to be hard-headed about that. I'm sorry, what was your, your – your... When you watch racing today, do you see anything you miss about it? I miss one thing, and one thing only, and that's hanging on to a steering wheel. You know what I mean? Just driving. That's the only thing. I, I tell people this, and I, I've said this a million times, and, and we, we talk about – you know, and we started, and we're talking about five-year-olds and ten-year-olds. When I was five or six years old, and I dreamed about being Bobby Allison, or I dreamed about being Richard Petty, or I dreamed about being David Pearson and racing against those guys, in my dream, I was sitting in a seat, and I had a steering wheel in my hand, and I'm looking out that windshield, and I see that 21 car, or I see that 12 Coca-Cola car, or I, whatever it may be, you know what I mean? And you got to get a Get in front of that thing, man. You got to beat that car. I didn't dream about doing commercials. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. dream about being interviewed on TV. I didn't interview about doing your podcast. I didn't, that's, that's not my dream. 
It was never my dream. My dream was to sit in a seat and hang on to a steering wheel. And that's the part of the dream that you you have to give up. You know what I mean? Is It's like if you're a fisherman, I can go out in the boat, but I can't fish. <laughs> you know what I mean? They won't let me hold a hold, they won't let me fish. But I still get to go out in the boat. So going to the racetrack and and being able to go to the racetrack, you get to talk to everybody and you get to see everybody and you get to look at the cars and you get but you don't get to get inside one and hang on to a steering wheel. So that's that's the that's the part for me that the part of the dream and that's the part that I miss. You ran some sports car stuff in your time. I mean there's avenues for you to grab a steering wheel and go <laughs> go I'd do it once a Let's year. Let's team up. He's Let's team up. I'd do it once a year just for that yeah. very reason, yeah. just to hold the wheel one hold time the wheel. Yeah. and just remember what it feels like. So how come you don't go grab a steering wheel somewhere? You know what? One is, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, think, I think of this, okay? I, I have a, and, and this, this may be bad timing with Tony coming out of retirement to run, <laughs> to run the, to He's running the Xfinity race. Xfinity race. Yeah. Um, but this is why I say, and, 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 and I, and I, um, I can be brutally honest with myself. I couldn't beat those guys when I was in my prime. What makes me think I can beat them when I'm 60 years old? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And for pure, pure enjoyment. Yeah. I, I would go do it. And I hope Tony's doing it for pure enjoyment, but I've seen so many guys through the years retire. Oh yeah. And then come back and it's almost it's like seeing your gods brought down to human level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I, don't, I, don't, and I just never I, – I always made up my mind that once I quit, that I was just going to quit. And, yeah. and that, that was it, you know. I'd be – I just quit. Yeah. And, and that was it. And I've thought about it. You know, I've thought about sports cars, and I've thought about different things. And, you know, I just – What was your – what, you, what did you get out of running the 24 hours a day toner? You ran it a, a, a couple times, right? Yeah, ran it a couple times. Did you, really, I, did you enjoy that? I just enjoyed it. You know, I, it, was, it was, to me, especially the 24-hour stuff, to me, it was a little bit of a throwback to what racing was in the 70s and in the 80s. You know I mean, it was like, it was competition, and it was, the intensity was there when you were in the car and all that stuff, but there was a lot of camaraderie mm. and a lot of, Mm. everybody just being with each other and everybody wanting to be a part of the, the show experience. and the experience. Mm-hmm. That, that was it. So it was, I enjoyed, I enjoyed just that part of it. Yeah, I did enjoy that. Well, man, we, we got a lot more, I had a lot more notes I wanted to get oh, to. Oh, no way. Uh, this was our introductory uh, questions. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even get to the interview yet. So now oh. we're going to start the interview. Okay, let's yeah, do it. Let's start let's the interview it. Let's do it. Let's I appreciate you coming out here. No, listen, oh, you don't man. know how much I appreciate you guys having me. I, seriously, man, and I love you got, this show. I t- love tell show. me about Coffee with Kyle. So what do you get out of Coffee with Kyle that, that you enjoy so much? Okay, and, and, and maybe it's the same thing that you get here. I, when, when I sat down with – Tony Stewart was the first guy I sat down with, and then the last guy I sat down with was Roger. But in between them, you've got my dad and Dale Inman and Mike Helton. I mean, how does this guy – in Bristol, Tennessee, go to accounting school and <laughs> become the sports editor at a, at a local radio station and then run NASCAR, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so what I get out of it is I ask questions that I want to know. You're dang straight. I don't care whether you want to know. I don't care whether you want to know. That's, That's just what I want to know. You know what I mean? I want to know. And, and you and I are the same. 
a lot of these guys I talk to from the standpoint is your granddad raced, your dad raced, you race. You know what I mean? But in 19, when, when you talk, when I talked to Bobby and Donnie and those guys, those older guys, they weren't stock car drivers when they came along, when they were born. They didn't look up to, I mean, that's like yeah. saying I was born in 1937. I'm going to be an astronaut. Right. What's an astronaut? You know yeah. what I mean? What's a stock car driver? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's just like they weren't there. So how did that, what clicked in your head to make you a race car driver yeah. in 1944? That that's what you decided you wanted to be. So that part fascinates me because for me, I just always wanted to be one because I was always around it and that's the way it was. But I just ask questions that I want to know the answers to. And if you enjoy it, I'm glad y'all enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, I'm sorry you don't enjoy it because I'm going to keep asking the questions that I want to know. That's similar to why we do this, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We don't have people on here that we don't have questions for. No. Yeah. You know. All right, buddy. We appreciate you coming Thank around, you. hanging out this week. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. All right, so we got out of history here. Um, Kyle's going to stick around for this because um, I know he loves history as much as I do. I found this one myself. Usually we use NASCAR Man, uh, who's a great follower on social media. But I got this book given to me by a fan, The History of the Darlington Raceway, uh, by Jim Hunter. Mm. Mm. I like that. Wow. And um, I think this book was guy. written uh, This book was written in the 70s, and uh, so it's old. Um, and the information in here is old. There's no modern history or anything like that. So um, imagine Jim Hunter writing this in the 70s about Darlington Motor Speedway, and he's telling a few stories about the infield. Okay. And this one is by far the best infield story that I've ever heard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is good. All right. Perhaps the most amusing legend pertaining to the infield at Darlington is this one. A man and his wife came to the infield the night before the race. All right. The race was ran on Monday. Labor yeah. Day. Yep. yep. All right. All right. Of right. course. So everybody would come right. in on Sunday and <laughs> yep. spend the night, party all day Sunday and spend the night. A man and his wife came into the infield the night before the race. He slipped off to meet a girlfriend, and his wife caught him. To embarrass him, she stripped off her clothes, she stole a motorcycle, and rode up and down the paths of the infield in the nude. All right. A lady got a lady got a vita. On motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> what? It created quite a commotion. Her husband was chasing her. The policemen were chasing her. Hundreds of wide-eyed admirers were chasing her. She was having a ball zipping up and down, up and down the infield paths on the motorcycle with nothing but her hair blowing in the breeze. And somehow... She zoomed past the gate guards, roared up onto the racetrack, yes. oh, and yeah. made one hot laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Much to the delight of the mob in the infield. 
She streaked out the gate onto Highway 34 and was never seen again at Darlington. Neither was her husband. How about that? That is that good. is a good story. That's man. a Jim Hunter. That is a good story. Right I have to believe it to be good. true. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I mean, back, Hunter, back yeah. then they they didn't know how to tell a lie. No. Oh man. No. Everything in there had to be wow. true. You can't make that one up if you tried. I told you I had a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. That is. That's man. our odd history. That, that you, is. you ever see that. anything crazy like that at Darlington? Probably not that crazy. Who me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've seen some crazy stuff, but nothing that crazy. I don't. You know, I don't remember. I remember when the jail used to be there. Yeah, it was still there when I was going there. Where was yeah. the jail located? Do you yeah. know where? Um, you come across. Well, golly, they changed the whole racetrack around. Yeah. You know how you come through the the tunnel that was down in turn. I guess it's turn one. Now. Turn yes. one. Yeah, turn yeah, one. Yeah. That, turn that, 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 yeah. If you go straight across and turn left down the center, it was down. It was kind of there's a concession stand. You would turn yes. beside the concession. It's set over there. Like outside the um, track? No, inside, inside the track. Inside, inside, the track. inside the track. Inside the track. Everything was inside the track. And they right? would do it all there, right? They would. Yeah. They would. They book you. Book and, you and, and, yeah, and put you in. But it was just like one sale. It was one big sale. Oh wow! Damn. So it was like Stinky. it was like being at Mardi Gras. You ever been to Mardi Gras when they and they uh, they set up it. bicycle racks and then they just handcuff you to the rack? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's cool. Mardi Gras, they take bicycle racks, you know, with the, the things, and yeah. they just put them in a square. And when they arrest you, they just take you inside and hook you. So there might be four or five people laying there on the floor, all hooked to the same. Oh wow! Strap it. Come on, man, it's Mardi Gras. That's good. That's, yeah. <laughs> hey, what's up, Brett Griffin here? When you're ready to listen to a show that doesn't hold any opinions or hot takes back, come listen to us on the best podcast, Door Bumper Clear. This is TJ Majors, and we're not taking a week off, and we have plenty to discuss, including the coronavirus impact on NASCAR. The replacements 100 iRacing race, a questionable Steve O'Donnell tweet, and plenty more. Plus, it's me, Freddie Kraft, and this is my first show as a full-time co-host. Listen and subscribe to Door Bumper Clear on all major podcast platforms. After that story you told about Megan, it's probably your last one. Last one. Yeah. Do you have any nicknames? Me? Yeah. like Effin. Effin. Effin Freddie, which stands for Freddie. Not like Big Ass, Big Fred, anything? All right, guys, last call. Going to wrap this show up. It's been a great one with Kyle on here. Odd history. Yeah. Good I story. thought it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> we told you about last week. For the Dale Jr. Download listeners only, I'm sharing a discount code if you want to buy any new Dirty Mo Media merchandise. we got some new stuff out. You'll receive 10% off your order. Go to DirtyMoMedia.com to check it out. It's all new. I like it. It's clean stuff. Stuff you can wear anywhere. Click the Dirty Mo Gear tab. Type in... DJD10. DJD10. That's DJD10 at checkout. Yeah. The number 10. One zero. Yeah, one zero. Yeah. Ten. Somebody's going to go T E N. Ten. <laughs> number they, 10. Aubrey James. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got the ride with Dale Jr. raffle. Every year, I offer rides to raise money for our foundation. This year, I'm doing it at Drumroll. Bristol Motor Speedway. I'm telling you, man, we're going to give ride-alongs at Bristol. Usually these things happen at Charlotte. Charlotte's probably the most used place. Last year we did it at Darlington, which was so fun. Yeah. They asked me this year, where you want to give ride-alongs? I'm thinking, well, if I'm a fan, I always tell them to go buy tickets at Bristol, you know, to hook somebody new, either Bristol the night race or Daytona 500. If I'm getting a ride-along, Bristol's the track. Has anybody ever had a ride along in Bristol? No. Yeah, one. You have? Oh, one. No, they're really cool. I okay. just wish I drove it. 
Oh, my God. Oh, I want to ride. If you want to take laps with Sorry. me at Bristol, you want to ride in the car, all right, pass your seat. I'm going to be strapped in. You're going to be strapped in. Helmet on, suit on, race car, rocking around there, probably going, I don't know, high 15s. Mm. Nice. Well, and what does that equate? Because some of us mile That'll, per hour We're going to run. Some of us mile per hour guys. Speed's relative. We will be running fast enough, fast as they probably go at some point in the race. So these won't be easy laps. But make sure you go to ridewithdalejr.com, all right? Yep. Ridewithdalejr.com and purchase a raffle ticket for only $8.88. I mean, that's, that's really, you know, obviously you're gambling on winning, right? Through the raffle? Yeah. Right? You're looking at your odds. But this money is for the foundation. It helps right. us do a lot of great things. So it's not just, you're not just tossing it away. Right. You're donating to the foundation, donating to some great causes. And uh, you're also putting yourself in in the uh, passenger seat, possibly, to go for a few laps at Bristol Motor Speedway for $8.88. Ride with DaleJr.com. I have to say, the race car... The good humor Chevrolet. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a good looking car, and yeah, it's wrapped in vinyl with the good humor ice cream bar sponsorship. One of my, I mean, I've been a good humor fan all my life. Is that right? I've been eating things. I remember I'd go to the, when I was a bachelor before I ever met Amy. I'd go buy the whole buy a box and eat them all. <laughs> no kidding. I try to get away with that these yeah. days, right? Yeah, can't not, do not having. <laughs> I'd eat pizza and good humor bars. That was my uh, daily nutrition. Yeah, yeah. So good. I'm surprised you're here to talk about that. Follow Dirty Mo Media on social media. It's at Dirty Mo Media, obviously. Um, so follow <laughs> us. Not, not totally obvious. Well, it's pretty obvious. It's not like it's going to be Dirty Mo follow Media. Dirty Mo Media. Follow Dirty Mo Media. Follow it. Follow it. Follow it. Follow Dirty Mo Media. Okay, follow it. Why do you want to follow Dirty Mo Media? Well, obviously you're going to know when this podcast launches, but you're also going to see a lot of great YouTube clips of some of the podcasts that we're doing. Some in, some little inserts, uh, some teases uh, to show you exactly what's happening on the show. Um, also, uh, there's we interact a little stuff. bit. Yeah, we interact a little bit with what's going on in the sport. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be ramping that up. Hopefully, speaking of that, uh, we didn't have an Ask Junior live on yeah. YouTube today. That's right. All right, but we will most weeks. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to the Dirty Mo Media YouTube page. Yeah, or got channel. A new, new sponsor yeah. coming on that. We got a new sponsor for our YouTube. Or Ask Junior. Ask Junior segment. I knew it. See, I said so the other day. The other week I said we got a sponsor coming. You guys were like, hey, whoa. Oh, you know why? Don't be talking so much. You know why? Now it's okay because Mike's doing it. No. You're going to announce it. No. <laughs> it's, it's real simple. This is how it works. We hadn't had them signed at that point, and I today we do. I knew that. <laughs> they weren't a sponsor of the segment, and today they are. I know, but I was foreshadowing, and, and yeah, it's, uh, Law of Attraction. It happens that way. <laughs> I, was, I was wheeling it into our lives. You can thank me. I can't thank you. Thank you so much, Dale, for <laughs> all the work you've done on that. All right. And that's my final word. All right. If that's you a want, good one. If you want something to happen, will it to exist? <laughs> Just like I did for the sponsorship of the Ask Junior Live segment of our show. <laughs> that's good. Good. Well done. What else are you going to wheel into stuff? Anything? Ever, I'm going to wheel in the end of this show. There you go. <laughs> Wheeling that into existence. We'll see y'all later. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.